Hello and welcome to another edition of the Manchester United podcast. I am joined by Maisie. Hi Maisie, how are you? How are you mate? You okay? I'm fine. All good, thank you. Can't complain. Yeah, Simon's not with us. Simon's not with us. Scandalous. Just the two of us. He's not missed. <laughs> Aww. Poor Sam. Maisie, today? Yes, Mary Earps. Yep. Tell us your fun fact. I used to have a horse called Earp. Really, did you? I did. Yeah, a race horse. How did it do? It, it won once at Windsor. And then about, I think he ran about maybe about seven or eight times, but it was the most, oh, it was a, say it was a racehorse. It was like, it. I think it ran once and the other like seven times, it just stalled at the first. It just didn't even set off. Not a good investment, that one, was it? No, no, no. Are you going to bring that up today? Uh, probably not, no, no, <laughs> no. So the third member... Yes. Of Manchester United women's team. The last two conversations have been brilliant. I've loved getting an insight into their journeys, I suppose. Yeah. Very different journeys than, yeah. you know, the men's side. Yeah, it is, yeah. I think with Mary as well, she had five or six clubs before. She she made a, a journey over to, to Germany, to Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably really put her on the map. And what an experience going over to Germany on your own. We spoke to Thomas Kuschak the other week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And he mentioned, you know, about the difficulties settling in and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, no, it'd be, it'd be a, a really interesting look into her development as a goalkeeper mm-hmm. and uh, seeing how she how she got into it, really. I was watching some interviews with Mary earlier when I was preparing, you know, Maisie? Right, OK. <laughs> she talks so confidently, but I suppose that's something that you're used to to goalkeepers, oh, goalkeepers used to them having that quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, goalkeepers never shut up. They're always I was going to put it a little bit more politely. I know, yeah, but I'm coming from the male side of it. <laughs> maybe maybe Mary will be a little bit different, but no, goalkeepers are all the same. And you need that. You do. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of goalkeepers on our podcast, haven't we? Seven. This is the seventh. Seventh goalkeeper on our podcast. Interesting. That's more than 10% of our podcasts. It is. But as long as it's 11%, that's... You know, that's a nice ratio because they're one eleventh of a team. Well, that's true. Very good point. Well done, Tass. <laughs> Did you know that how many goalkeepers we've had on? We've just had that conversation. Seventh. Well, we've not had this conversation, have we? Because I'm throwing it to you. Seventh goalkeeper on our pod. Okay, can you name them? Yeah, I can actually. Go on then. Schmeichel, Stepney. Yeah. Just going by surnames here. Yeah. Schmeichel, Stepney, Chamberlain. Yeah. Kushak. Yeah. Come on, you've you fellow Northern Ireland, mate. Roy Carroll. Yes. <laughs> I've taken a mind blank. <laughs> One more to get. Yeah. So you don't know either. Hang on. How many are you trying to count to here? Seven. He's the seventh. Yeah, no, we're only on five. All right. Grant. Oh, Lee Grant. Oh, see, I didn't do Lee Grant. That's why I don't remember. Oh, so it doesn't count because you don't do it. No, that's yeah, amazing. Maisie, yeah, that was your one. Here. You should have jumped up there. My mate, Lee Grant. Right. Shall we do this, Maisie? Yes. Well, let's get Mary on. Mary, a uh, fun fact for you. My child minder is also called Mary and you actually look really alike. I hope she's not 85. No, she's... <laughs> actually, she's 29. Oh, that's fine. That's not but too dissimilar from my age. you actually really alike. I might bring her Maybe it's my twin. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know if you know, we've got Helen. Helen's our, one of our co-presenters and Maisie. Uh, so, it's just going to be... <laughs> Maisie. <laughs> Allied. 
Build me up a bit. Sounded a bit like an afterthought there, but that's just me. I'm not. I'm not trying to start anything. Mary, that's how they speak to me all the time. It's disgusting. That's not acceptable. That's not not acceptable. Thanks. I'm on your team. Cheers, mate. Cheers. (laughs) You've just completed a day at training. I heard you saying before. Yeah, long long day today. Double day. Oh, double day. Double Double day. day. So Pierce love double days. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're the. It's all right for a goalkeeper. You don't do well. Hang on, we're not going to start the podcast like this. I will leave. No, anyway. um, yeah, so it's a tough day today. Uh, we had pitch this morning and then lunch and then all together for gym again. So a tough do one. Do you do that often? Double sessions? That's twice a week, that. Um, okay. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give specific schedule information. Haley would kill me, That's but okay. twice a week's fine. That's very general, yeah. right? That's, I'm not going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, you know what? I don't listen to... I don't even know what you'd call it. Like, general podcasts. But I do listen to a German podcast to help me learn German. So that's, oh, wow. like, the... Yeah, that's probably what I would say podcast I'd listen to the most, yeah. Probably the best answer we've had to that question. Oh, that's pretty well, nice. then I'll take I might it. start listening yeah. in a different language. That's a great idea. So you, <laughs> you have, have you listened to ours? You listen to your uh, teammates yeah. ones? Loads of time. No, like a few of my teammates have been on it. So obviously yeah. I've seen different bits of it before, heard different bits of it before. So Amy T gave me the rundown today. She was <laughs> like, don't take any nonsense. I was like, all right, yeah. I won't. So. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. We are absolutely delighted to have you on. As you say, your teammates have been with us, Amy and Siobhan, of course, former teammate, was also with us a few weeks ago. And it's just a great insight for people who don't know a lot about women's football, it's been great to have the others on. I'm really looking forward to this one. So what we do is we just have a little chat about your life. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the start. Born in Nottingham. Yes. Were you always a sporty child into football? What was childhood like for you? Yeah, I think to my mum's disappointment, I was always a bit of a sporty, (laughs) muddy one, rolling around. Uh, You know, she tried to buy me dolls and things like that. And I used to just like write on their foreheads. It was very unladylike, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, But she got my sister eventually, so it was fine. She got what she wanted. Uh, Yeah, always very sporty. Me and my brother are quite close in age, so always really, really competitive. And that's kind of how it started. Um, I was always wanting to get involved in as many different activities and sporting things as I could. And then saw my brother and my dad playing in the back garden around the age of eight and got involved there, loved it. Went down to my brother's training session, um, loved it, wanted to keep going. And then obviously got to a point where I couldn't play football with alongside boys because of my age. Mm-hmm. I think maybe I was around 10, somewhere around there. Um, so then I joined a local girls team and that, then it just went from there, really. Just mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah. Did your brother stick you in goal? He he would have loved to, but no, it didn't. It didn't really work out that way, to be honest. I joined just because I love football, and yeah. I just started by running around like a headless chicken. I guess that's what everyone does. And it wasn't, but I wasn't allowed to play matches with my brother's team, probably because I wasn't very good as well. Um, you know, I only just started, and I remember in one of my first training sessions with my brother's team, I tried a bicycle kick, and it really, really hurt. I tried. I'd obviously seen it on the TV, and it really, really hurt. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness. And then I joined a girls team and trained there. And one of 
our first ever matches, we were just like rotating in goal. You know, you do your like 10 minute stints and I saved a penalty and that was it. I never came out of goal. Um, you know, I remember before that point, I was like cartwheeling around and my dad was like, oi, stop. You know, <laughs> like he's standing by the goal. And then, um, yeah, but I saved a penalty and I just loved that feeling. And I never came out of goal ever since, trained as a goalkeeper since then. And then obviously it worked out really well because my brother was, he was like midfield striker and I was a goalkeeper. So then we ended up training together when we weren't scrapping. Um, and so it was perfect partnership, really. What's the age oh. difference between you and your brother? Uh, just over a year and a half. Um, so yeah, oh, quite right, tight okay. in age. You're younger. No, I'm older. I'm 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 the eldest. I set the example You're for the everybody. Eldest. So I set a very low bar for my brother and sister. So it was quite good for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it goes without saying then that your brother's one of your biggest fans now. Yeah, he's. You know what? He's. All my family are really, really supportive. Um, I think we were really competitive when we were younger, but now he's gone on to do. Uh, different things he still plays football sort of I think you can call it semi-pro level um, I don't even know what team it is that's so bad and um, <laughs> it, but he's not, he's like the clever one of the family if if you know what I mean he was always like the really academic one so he's now doing he's just finishing off a PhD oh, and okay. so you know what I mean like he's he's gone on to do different things but yeah all my family are really 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 supportive of me they mm-hmm. but they've been there through everything the the ups and downs and They've kind of seen everything, like, you know, the glory days and also the really rubbish times where they're maybe picking me up off the floor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, they're a really supportive family. Like, if it wasn't for my mum and dad driving me to training, I would never be in this position now, no chance. Mm-hmm. What about your other sports? You're a black belt at judo. Yeah, well done. Wikipedia. Oh, I've done, hey, hey, I've done my research, you know, I'm good. I can see that. Proper done Tell your you. homework. absolutely absolutely um yeah you know what I got involved in so much when I was younger judo was probably the one that I took the second most serious and so then it got to the point where I had to choose between the two because you can imagine I was 15 when I got my junior black belt which I'm not saying that's particularly spectacular that's just because when you turn 16 you become a senior and then you like regrade if you know what I mean so I was a junior black belt in judo and then at that time I was also getting into the England under 15 squad um I was at Leicester at the time that was my first center of excellence so that was basically when I was 14 I went from playing Sunday league football just at the park like like really local team to go into a centre of excellence, which is now the equivalent. I think it's called an RTC now. And it's basically where obviously people who take it a little bit more seriously um, go to try and develop and become the best that they can be. And then they're linked up to senior teams and, you know, try and go on from there. So at that time I had to kind of choose because judo, you can't do both. You have to kind of specialise in one. Um, And I remember I was at a judo camp at the time because, you know, in risk of injury is high with judo. You're getting thrown around all the time and goalkeeping, you're throwing yourself about all the time. There's a trend in my childhood. Yeah, I'm going to say, I can see that. (laughs) And then um, I remember, so I got this England 15 training program that we were supposed to do over the summer to like, you know, to get a certain level of fitness. And I was doing judo in the morning and judo in the afternoon. And then in between, I had to do this like running session where it's like four minutes on, four minutes off, like round cones and all sorts. And then that I think that was the point where I was like, yeah, I really, it's not feasible to do all of these things. But I did all sorts when I was younger. I did 
badminton. I did dancing for a while. I, I, I wouldn't say I loved my dancing. Um, like ballet, tap, modern. Uh, what else did I do? All sorts. Swimming. You are sport Billy, aren't you? Yeah, I did. I did all sorts because they, my parents, I think they always thought it was like a really good thing to maybe build character and bring you out your shell and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's, I always, I remember also girls my age would be really nervous to like communicate, you know, goal communication for goalkeepers is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I never had a problem being like, right, left, keepers. Like it would never be a problem for me. And I think part of that was because, so I did dancing on stage. I was never, honestly, I was never very good. And one of the things I had to do was like a, a singing and dancing solo. And when you do something like that, like you're really not bothered about shouting keepers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah. I just was thrown, and I always used to give it a go. And if I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. I played the piano, played the clarinet. Um, I did, I, I can't even remember half the things I did. Jack of all trades, master of all, sounds like it to me. Uh, well, they say jack of all trades, master of none, so I don't know. Well, no, but we're changing it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. But I, I loved it, I loved doing anything. The only ones I didn't really like was hockey. That I could never really get into that. But if anyone asked me to do sport, even running, I mean, definitely don't like running now, but running across country, I was all over it. Long distance, short distance, I just loved it. Anything and everything. I'm exhausted. I am. <laughs> I don't know how amazing it feels. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, so do you know you, you know your judo then? Could you have actually carried on with that? Do you think you'd have made it as a? I, I mean, professionalism? I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can go professional in judo, but I think well, there was yeah. definitely the. I only did, I only did it for, or was only joined to a like a not a club in Nottingham, but the guy who's like the the head of the club he was saying you should really try and push forward and go to the Nottingham one and maybe look at like doing national trials or something so I did compete there was nationals and you could compete and I did compete there did you win I no, I don't think I ever won but I think one time I came second I think um but there were some really good fighters there really like who took it really seriously yeah and I think it, it was at that age that it was like right am I gonna move forward with it or or not because I, I, it was so much fun. Honestly, it's so much fun because it's just about the way you use your, I guess you can argue it's football. It's like the way you use your body or your strength to your advantage. You could, I always loved judo because there was this guy I used to fight against and he was this a couple of years older than me, but he was tiny. Like obviously he'd not like quite matured. So I was maybe 14, he was 16 and he was honestly so skinny. Like I thought, nah, like, I was all, I've always been quite broad and built. But nah, there's no way he's throwing me to the floor. 30 seconds in, I'm flat on my back. I'm hip on, I'm out. I'm complete. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Because it was the way he used his, yeah. what he had. Mm-hmm. And he could still, and like I could fight an adult at that age and still win if I was smart enough and if I used my weight. And I always loved that. Um, so I don't know if I would have, I'd like to think if I'd have carried on and progressed, I could have maybe been half yeah. decent but I would have really had to commit to it and I just loved football too much to give football up so what's football's gain that you didn't Manchester United's gain that you didn't <laughs> go all the way in judo um you mentioned there going to Leicester's city center of excellence at about 15 was that yeah 14 15 around there and then a couple of years later you're involved with the first team there yeah so at f- the manager when I was there 
let me train with the first team from when I was 15. So that was, it all happened really fast. Like I joined, I think I joined there at 14. I remember going on trial and by the Christmas I was trialing with England and then I was 15 the following. So if you like trial in the August, whatever season starts by March, I was turning 15. And then when I turned 15, she then introduced me to training with the senior team, which was great because obviously you're then playing against women and people who are physically stronger and technically more mm-hmm. capable. And also at that time, Leicester was quite well known for bringing young players through. So there was players like Remy Allen, Rachel Williams, who were part of, um, you know, the England under-19s teams that were winning and doing really well and the under-17s teams. So um, to challenge yourself against those, I just, I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. So I was quite fortunate that I was like pushed through and obviously that Leicester really wanted to develop me and I really wanted to develop, so it was perfect. Did you find a step up from like a Sunday league up to that massive or was it something you were ready for? Or It was definitely a step up, but I think it was more a step up in terms of people wanting to take the game more seriously yeah. um, because you did see some really good people playing, like especially girls because, it again, back then... No one really knew. Like there wasn't like clear, really clear pathways. You just kind of muddled through. Um, so there were some really good technical players. Um, but it was definitely a step change in attitude, a step change in the number of training sessions and commitments and games available and standard of opposition. Um, the big jump was going to then playing with full women, you yeah. know, physically. Yeah. Um, that was obviously a much different game. And then, yeah, just, just keeping going through. And then, obviously, I moved to the WSL, like, when I was 17, 16, 10 and 17, so... Were you, still, you were still at school then, doing A-levels? Yeah, I was still... I was actually... When I went to the WSL, I was at school. I don't know what I was doing. I don't know if I was doing my first year of A-levels. But I was working. I had that summer, the day before my first game, which I think was Birmingham, I was playing for Doncaster. So I just joined because... Why not? Um, At the time I was... So after Leicester, I went to Forest. And I wasn't really playing that much at Forest. They were in the Premier League. And then the Super League had just started. So I thought, well, if I'm not really going to play in the Premier League, I may as well take the step up and see if I can chance it at Super League level. And then I went there, like, and ended up becoming the number one there by, like, the halfway point in the season. And I was working at a cinema... And the manager rang me and he was like, oh, you know, how you doing? What are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just at work. I was just at, working at a cinema. I'm working. He was like, what time are you working till? I was like, oh, till, uh, I'm meant to be working till midnight tonight, till close. And he was like, well, you better see if you can get home early because you've got a game tomorrow. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, you're starting tomorrow against Birmingham. I thought, right, well, I've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go sort it out. So then I think I got someone to cover the end of my shift and I ended up getting away a bit early. Um yeah, and then I played Birmingham the next day for Doncaster, so that was my first game. Oh, what age did you really think that this is a path you're going to take? As in professional, yeah. go for the job. <sighs> to be honest, I'm still surprised now that this is the way it's going. <laughs> um, I think, I, I don't know if there was ever that moment. I think I always just... Had your mum and dad ever spoke to you and said, listen, we, like, we know you like your football, but you also need the brains behind if you don't make it as yeah. football or... Definitely. We, it was definitely weighing that up constantly because they knew how much I loved it. But when I, you know, at that point, literally it was like 
when I was playing for Doncaster, which is the top league in the country, yeah. it was literally like petrol money and a little bit of pocket money. Like, I won't tell you what it was, but I'm talking like a pick a mix every week. Like, it was really, that was it. And so it wasn't even in my head that this could possibly be a career. It was mm. just, I love doing it and I'm going to see how far I can go with it. But it was never even, it was never even a question in my mind that I wasn't going to go to university because really that that is what I have to do. That's mm. my only choice. I have to try and, and then I would say, then when I graduated in 2016, that was probably the point where I was like, oh, you know what? I don't actually have to go to work now. I don't have to get a job. I can just see how it goes. And then obviously I played for Reading that year, then went to Wolfsburg and now I'm here. So it I, honestly, I think it was probably when I graduated and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this is actually a career now. You studied information management and business studies. Is that yeah, correct? that's right. Yeah. And the hope that that would take you to what career if football wouldn't have been on your path, what, what were you wanting to do with your degree? I've always wanted to run my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've I had a when I was at Reading, I had a coaching business, and obviously, kind of shut things down when I moved over to Germany. But I've I always loved the idea of being a businesswoman, an entrepreneur of some kind. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see where where that we've takes just, me. We've just fast forwarded there. Sorry to the oh, end yeah. of university. We just missed out a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of teams and a whole lot of football. Um, so take us back to your debut. You had your debut after your cinema shift. Oh, yeah, for the WSL, yeah. Yeah, in the WSL. And what age are you, sorry, when you're at this point of making your debut? Did you say 17 or 18? 17. And you're in goal in the WSL at 17? I think so. Oh. It was it was either 17 or 18. I don't even know. 20, I'm sure it was 2011, what I say? So I'm, I can't even do math, so there's no point. Um... Yeah, I'm sure I was 17, 18, played in the Duracell and I played the rest of that season and then stayed another year at Doncaster and was just obviously, we weren't the best team, but I just loved playing against, you know, in the top league against some of the best players, mm-hmm. you know, players that I'd grown up watching. I was then sharing the pitch with, which was just mad. I was just going to say, who who were your your idols when you were growing up? I think most of the time, obviously, I would watch men's football, but you yeah. always... I think from a goalkeeping point of view, I always looked at Hope Solo as being the absolute best and ultimate. Um, I think in England, obviously, as I started to get a little bit older, I think obviously Brownie and Karen Bardsley, they were really, really influential. And then getting to train and play with them and uh, England as well was just mind-boggling. And I remember when I got my first call-up and then I come back for, not on the very first call-up for England, but a couple of camps later... My dad found some photos of me being ball girl when I was at Forest, like Sunday League, being ball girl at the city ground when the FA Cup was at the city ground. And I was with Karen Carney, Rachel Yankee, Emma Byrne. Obviously, Emma Byrne isn't English, so she wasn't on England camp. But I remember showing these pictures to Yanks and and Kaz and they were just like, oh my God, that makes me feel so old. So I never brought them out again. But it was just, I had this really ugly like Sondico sweatband on that, you know, you get from Sports Direct, just standing there proud as punch with these players on the pitch. It's funny though, isn't it? Because there's not that much difference in age between us. And when you think back, how did you, there wasn't really a lot of women's football to watch? No. No, just the FA Cup final, really. That yeah. was always on mainstream television once a year. And 
again, I was fortunate that it was in my hometown. Yeah. Like for two years on the bounce when I was, when my interest of football really, really spiked, which was probably, I think I was 13 and 14 when it was at the city ground. And so I went and watched and the first time I was ball girl. So I was like pitch side on the pitch, watching it all. So. Yeah, it's not like yeah. you have your sticker books with, you know, back then with the women's team in it. So no. you really knew the superstars or if you were in the privileged position like you were, that you, you were nearby to them. That was the only exactly. kind of access you exactly. had. So what, yeah. who was your men's team that you followed did you have a team that oh, you you're supported? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble now. Oh, sorry. But That's yeah, okay, my whole... Worry. It can all be edited. My whole dad's... That's fine. You you will definitely edit this. <laughs> so um, all my dad's side's from Liverpool. So that's who, who I watched growing up. Um, I like the way you put that. That's who I watched. That's who I watched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so obviously growing up, I would always watch them and, and Liverpool and... Um, but now I'm just, I just love watching football, Premier League mostly, but I watch everything and everyone. Like I'll go home and now my brother's like, oh, do you really have to watch football again? I'm like, well, well yeah, I do because I want to. <laughs> like every game. So yeah, always watching the goalkeepers and stuff. Yeah, I was just going to say, is there any goalkeeper now that you watch where you think, oh, right, I'll take that into practice or I'll... There's, there's so many different goalkeepers but like, but like, you know, different aspects. Yeah, if there's a Premier League goalkeeper that you look at that you probably model your game on. Yeah, well, Alisson, he's, he's, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say model my game. If I could be, to Stegen for me is the ultimate right now. Yeah. Alisson's not far off. I think for the last maybe five years, I would have said Neuer. But I think like when you look at diff, and, and growing up, I would have said Pepe Reina, I'd have said Joe Hart, I'd have said Ica Casillas, Neuer definitely, Buffon. Like they're all good in so many different ways. You've not you've not mentioned one Man United goalkeeper there. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm talking the greats. The greats is like Schmeichel. Obviously, he's like the great. Right. And De Gea is obviously unbelievable. But there's just so many. That's my point. I could sit here and <laughs> go all day for different reasons. You know, for so many different reasons, I could just keep going on and on and on. I think if you could pick bits from, it's the same. Yeah. If you can, if I could pick bits from everyone, yeah. I could. I could form a really good one big Premier League goalkeeper. <laughs> We've talked about making your debut. What about making your Champions League debut? What was that moment like for you? Oh, insane. Um, you were at Birmingham at the time, Birmingham City, yeah. Yeah, I was at Birmingham. And I ca- yeah, I came on, the manager gave me uh, 20 minutes. And it, like, it sounds, it sounds silly, but we were playing at... Um, I think at the time it was called St. Andrews. I'm not sure if it still is. I think it's changed names now. Um, but we're playing at the Birmingham's men's pitch. Yeah. And even just that was like really special. Like we never really played on great pitches. It sounds, but you just knew, like you always wanted to play on a pitch that you could eat your dinner off. And that was one of them pitches. And now like I pl- we play at Lee Sports Village, which is like that every week. It's just, it's, it's mad, honestly. But back then everything was so special. Like every new first thing was so special and Champions League debut like the music oh it gives me goosebumps even when I watch it on the telly it just gives me goosebumps because mm-hmm. it's just amazing to feel that yeah um and I, I really really hope that we can achieve qualification for Champions League like ASAP I don't want to put a time frame on it because obviously we all know that it's in our the forefront of our yeah. mind but if it just be unbelievable for United with with the fans that that we have to play in the best competition 
in the world. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about for your club now. Yeah. Like, that would be just... With the fans. Incredible, honestly. Should add. With the fans. Yeah. Because, for sure, with the fans. You, met, you mentioned the fans there. How, how difficult is it for yourself now without the fans being there? Do you find it a lot it's, different? It is different, yeah. It is different. It's just, like, so quiet. And I think that's one of the big attractions about Man United is the fans are yeah. so vocal, so loud, will really get behind you. And I think it's so intimidating for opposition to come and and play against us. And it gives us such a buzz mm-hmm. to know that we're putting in performances that make people proud and mm-hmm. make people want to cheer for us and know that we're representing well. Like, that's what we want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we want to want people to look at us wearing the shirt and go, yeah, exactly, that's what Man United is about. So, um, f- for sure, it's very different. And hopefully with the new government announcement, yeah, exactly. maybe one day soon, yeah. mm-hmm. um, we, they'll be back, maybe maybe in small numbers to start with, but to be honest, it doesn't even matter at this point. Just get people back in. Just anybody. So. Anyone. <laughs> got my dad in there. My mum, I don't mind. <laughs> Brother and sister will come along, I'm sure. Um, so, Mary, after times at uh, Bristol, Birmingham and then Bristol, and at university all at the same time, you then decided yep. after you'd graduated to make the move to Germany? Yeah. And what was the decision behind that? Was it a difficult decision to make did you know people over there at the time how did that come about uh so i was at reading at the time just finishing off my degree no i just finished my degree and i was in my final year of my contract there and i'd always wanted to play in germany so when i was at bristol we played against frankfurt in the champions league and it was my dad calls it a light bulb moment so he said that throughout my career there's been light bulb moments where my eyes have lit up and he knows yeah that's it ariza she's on it she's getting that And that was one of those moments where something just clicked in my brain and I knew that's something that I wanted to achieve. And I said to my dad, like, I want to play in Germany one day. So I've always had that in the back of my mind. Um, And then I knew that Wolfsburg were watching me because my agent had told me. Um, But I'm always very focused on what I'm doing. And I was at Reading at the time and I'd had a really good time at Reading. Um, We'd achieved a lot of success that year we finished fourth and I'm never really I don't don't know how to put this without sounding like a bit of a div but just because people are telling you things i.e agents or outside or media doesn't really mean that you you pay a lot of attention to it because Mm -hmm. things change like that Mm -hmm. and I just felt like it was a really big compliment that they were watching obviously the best league best team in Germany one of the best teams in Europe, second, one of the top two teams in Europe and one of the best teams in the world. Like, it's just f- so flattering to be like, wow, that's such a compliment. Um, but to be honest, it didn't really happen until very, very late um, because I didn't want to entertain any conversations until the end of the season, until my last game with Redden. Um, because at that point, we I hadn't even had, discu- Redden hadn't opened any discussions with me. So things were a bit uncertain. Um, and then was, after was, the last Mary, game... Was um, Reading aware of all this, though? Or was this I, all, I don't know. all shush-hush? Like? I, d- I don't know. I think a lot of things obviously happen behind closed doors that yeah. my agent doesn't... Your, your agent doesn't tell you because it's not appropriate, if you know what I mean. So mm. I think whether or not they knew they were watching me, like, p- teams talk, like... So yeah. I don't... I don't really know how it happens, but I was very much like, I want to... 
Like, you know, and at that point, Reading hadn't even spoken to me. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. So the team I was even at hadn't even spoken. So I was just like, well, I'm just going to see the season out and like stay focused and what happens, happens. And then after the season ended, then conversations opened up because um, my contract had finished. And uh, like I, then I obviously met with Reading and I met with Wolfsburg and it was always something that I wanted to do to play in Germany and... I just thought I was going to go for it. I felt like it would... I'd played in the WSL since I was 17 at that point. So I'd been playing, what, I don't know how many, eight, eight, nine years. And I just felt like I needed a change. I needed a step up that was going to take me completely out of my comfort zone. And I thought, what better way than to, A, knock a huge, like tick off a huge ambition of mine, but go to a new, a different country where I don't speak the language. I don't know anyone. Like it would it was just completely different culture. It was, it was a very, <laughs> it was difficult. It was, but it was amazing. It was life-changing. And I fell in with a great group of girls. Was you out there on your own? Yeah, I was out there on my own. Uh, my parents came out to visit me a couple of times, which was, which was great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, on my own, had an apartment to my, myself, my na- the people who owned the apartment were really lovely. Um, I fell in with a real group, great group of girls who I still speak to now and I consider to be really great friends of mine. Um, and they looked out for me, took care of me. And we, we have, we, you know, I had a real social element to the football as well. So I was training with and against some of the best players in the world and met friends for life. So it was unbelievable an unbelievable life-changing experience I I don't I'm sure not everyone has the same experience that I did but the the level of football out there the the discipline the organization style of play style of training it suited me right down to the ground um I, I, I just loved it then we, we obviously played Champions League we won trophies it was it was a great time it was a great time does that give you a little insight because you know lots of People come to the UK, obviously, to play football. And a lot of time people say, oh, they need time, you know, to settle into a country. That You must know exactly how that feels then. Because sometimes people, you know, don't yeah. take that really seriously. How difficult is that process for you going somewhere where you don't speak a language? Lots of people come here, play football, and, you know, they don't they don't speak the language and they're learning, learning the ropes on the pitch as they go. How difficult is that part of it? Yeah, it's tough. And there's no real reason for it to be tough, apart from the obvious that everything is so unfamiliar. And, you know, there's not like a particular thing that causes issues. If if you know what I mean, it's just everything. You don't even know, simple things that you don't know what time people arrive to train in. You know, you might get a schedule that says, right, okay. It's not spelled out for you, if you know what I mean. It doesn't say, right, you need to get here at this time. You need to wear this kit. You need to make sure you have this with you. It just takes time for you to figure out the way the club works and the way they operate. And because a lot of things are left are left unsaid. Like there's a lot of unwritten rules in football that you don't know until you're just there and experiencing it. And again, the girls really helped me out a lot with with that type of thing. Um, and to be fair, Germany's very like straight down the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're late, you're late. There's no, you're fine. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like one of the, my teammates got stuck in a lift. You're late. It doesn't matter. You're late. That's a fine. <laughs> it, th- do you know what I mean? It, it's just straight to the point. So I think that directness really helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you definitely need time to just... And, and when it's a different language, it's even 
more crazy yeah, because as a it, goalkeeper that when, must be really difficult though. It was tough. It was tough because I think the girls appreciated the fact that I tried to speak the language, which I think is key. I think English or British people have a real uh you know there's that real stereotype that we speak english so you must you, yeah. you know it's the universal Ignorance, language yeah. yeah whereas i really made the effort to try and speak the language and you know sometimes i get it wrong and they'd laugh but they were laughing with me not at me and they would try and help me and they appreciated the effort i went to you know so i would maybe only be able to say basic words like right and left or go higher come deeper and because it was such a internationally diverse team there was probably 10 12 different nationalities in that team of 20, a squad of 22 players. So you, the, most people do speak English. And so that, that definitely helped. So as in like, I could have a conversation off the pitch in English yes. and I'd say, look, this is what I'm seeing. What are you seeing? And we could have that, but yeah, there's definitely a language barrier, yeah. um, which you have to overcome. So I don't know if I've even answered your question, but yeah, it's it's tough. There's a lot of obstacles that you have to face. I think it was Thomas Kushak was on the podcast a few yeah. weeks ago and he'd gone to Germany and he said, he obviously didn't speak any of the language either. He just had random posters on his walls of certain words that he'd written to try and learn the yeah. language because it was so difficult. Yeah, I think the the language was tough more in like meetings and I would literally be yeah, like at the beginning I'd be like 30 yeah, minute meeting I've just sat there for <laughs> I ain't got scooby doo what you've just said <laughs> so I'm gonna need someone to fill me in but it was more like the supermarkets weren't open on a Sunday at all and they used to shut at six so and I know that sounds silly but you get you know you're in a habit of here like oh I can just nip to the shops at eight yeah. o'clock at night I need to run and get some milk well you can't it's shut. It's just non. It's just very different. It's very different, and I loved it. And what did you learn football wise in your time there, in terms of style of play? Uh, good question. I think they were. It was more like the reaction of them towards me. If you get what I mean, like what your what what makes you you. I feel like I'm really big on that now. I'm a little bit older, and it's just like you don't have to play the game the way everybody thinks you should do it, or the way it's, I don't know, On modern paper, football. Needs, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's just like what what makes you you. And I went to Germany and I was, the other goalkeeper there was Amut Schultz, who's, she's gone off and had some, some babies now, but at that time was one of the best goalkeepers in the world. So to challenge myself against her every single day and get to see, okay, right, um, you know what, fair play, she's pretty good at that and I like that and I want to wanna see if I can work on that. Um, so from that point of view, again, babbling, it's been a long day. There's, I would say diving and power is massive over there. Like the way that they explode into a save, their agility and explosiveness is, I think, unrivaled in the world. You could maybe argue that Hugo Lloris and the French have, like their agility is unbelievable, but the power that that German players generate, mm. German goalkeepers generate from a technical is unbelievable so to be able to practice that was was good um that was a completely different style of diving that I've ever seen and I think what gave me confidence I think from going there in terms of my game was they were really surprised with how good I was with my feet Mm. they'd never seen that before and I think it was something it's obviously something that's coming into the game more and more and it's always something I've liked to do you know, I just love playing football. So if I can keep possession and pass the ball around, I want to do that. And I don't think that's Germany's particular style. 
Um, so that was like nice, you know what I mean? To go and play against some of the best players in the world and then be respect you yeah. in certain ways. You can start to go, okay, well, that's, you're not basing your value of yourself off what they're saying, but you get to compare yourself yeah. and be like, you know what? This is who I am and this is the goalkeeper I want to be and understand what other players bring to the table, mm-hmm. but also be punished for things you don't do well. Because if you're half an inch out of position, you know, Penilla Hard is putting it top corner and that's just the way it is. Um, and you learn very, very fast. <laughs> so, yeah. Go on then, tell us about your debut. So I think that, so that was, we won 11-0 away from home in the cup. Very easy game. And it was, my mum and dad actually came out to watch and I really had very little to do at all. I had like a couple of routine saves. And it was the first time I've ever experienced every single player apart from me being in the opposite half. I felt, very, I was like, what What happens if something happens? I'm very exposed here. Um, but that's the way they played. They really committed numbers to the attack. And well, you can tell because we won 11-0. But um, I think my biggest thing from being in Germany was actually playing Bayern Munich and... That was obviously the team that second in the league, second best team in the league. And that was a huge learning curve for me. Uh, I don't think I've experienced nerves like that before a game. And to be honest, I played not great at all. Are you, are you normally um, nervous? Are you normally nervous before a game? Not, I, I, I always like to have a little bit of nerves, if that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah. So I would say I always have a little bit of nerves because I'm excited and because it means something to me yeah. and because I really want the, want to win and us to do well. Um, but I think when your nerves get to a certain point, it then starts to affect your decision-making yeah. and the way that you do things and it takes over. And I definitely think that that day I didn't get a hold of them. Um, I was just, I was too excited and I was too nervous and... Yeah, we, the, we as a team did not play well. I wasn't happy with my own performance, but it was my biggest learning curve that I took away from it. And I don't really know why, because I don't look back on it and think like proud of my performance. Like, and it wasn't that I wasn't trying. I just, things just weren't coming off for me, but I learned a lot about myself and maybe areas in my game that I needed to work on, but also my approach to games um and i really wanted to work on that um and it was a huge challenge from being you know i didn't play as regularly there to then being needed to step up against bayern munich and not to 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 be brutally honest i was not happy with the way i performed and i had to really break down okay wh- what is happening cuz yeah. i don't want this to to happen again and that so it's almost like that failure in my head that was a failure um you know, I'm not saying it was disastrous. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be hot, like really overly critical. I'm just saying that I wasn't happy, and I see that as a. I saw it as a failure in terms of my performance levels. So I really had to strip back and do some soul searching, and figure out what was happening. And I think that was probably one of the reasons why. You know, last season I started the year really well, um, and I think that was probably one of the reasons why because I'd sort of face that. I don't even know if that makes sense. I hope it does, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it makes does. Absolutely. Sense. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit because it is the Manchester United podcast and we haven't really mentioned that much. Um, Go for it. So all in all, successful time in Germany for you. When did you start to hear whispers though of 
Manchester United potentially building a team? Uh, of them building a team? I mean, I feel like it was something that was spoken about so frequently um, behind closed doors. Lo- yeah, yeah, you must have had lots of friends that were playing over here that, you know, were saying, oh, I've heard this. You know what? No, I think not not really. And you know, whispers sometimes never turn into things. Mm. So we don't really listen to them. But I think, I, I don't even know when I first heard about it, actually. But I think there was definitely... Behind, like behind the whole of English football, there was a real desire for Man United to create a women's mm-hmm. team. Like everybody wanted it for so many different reasons, but everybody wanted it because you want all the big teams in the women's game. Um, and you know, if Man United are gonna come and do something, then they're gonna do it properly. So I think that was, and I think obviously I'm biased for sure, but. I'm I'm very very happy that that that's happened. How did that come about? The United move again, ve- very late. Um, I was at the World Cup, and then um, yeah, I I knew that I wasn't going to stay another season at Wolfsburg because I wasn't playing as much as what I would have liked to, and it was I always in my head was like, I'm going to go there for a year, push myself out of my comfort yeah. zone, and then I'm going to come home and hopefully use what I've learned, you know. Because yeah. when what, the goalkeeper that was there, she was a very, very, very good goalkeeper. And I didn't feel like I was ever going to push past the German number one in Germany in a time frame that I thought, like, I didn't want to sit on the bench and do that. Um, I wanted to play week in, week out. And I felt I had a lot to give. So, um, again, that happened very late, World Cup. And then, must have been midway through, I got a call about... It, you know, to see if I'd be interested. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Mid- midway through the World Cup? Midway through the World Cup, yeah. Who who phoned you at the time? Uh, I don't, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know if Casey f- f- phoned me first or my agent. I don't know who it was, but I'd known Casey from playing in the senior team with her. Oh, yeah. So um, I know I definitely spoke to, obviously my agent told me at some point, um, I spoke to Casey while I was out there. I spoke to Wilco, the goalkeeper coach, and they were sort of my key contacts. Mm. Um, and then I came back and, there were, to be honest, there wasn't really... That was probably the quickest I've ever moved on something. Like when I spoke to Casey and heard what she had to say and what she envisioned for the future. And then I spoke to the goalkeeper coach. I actually bumped into Wilco on the promenade in Nice. Um which that's sorry that's a side okay. but that was literally maybe like Small two world. three that was like yeah that was like two three days before I was notified that they'd registered interest um do you think he do you think he actually bumped in or was that like a little setup I don't yeah. you know what I've never asked him Sorry, that's I, dodgy that by they the would <laughs> stalking me no I think I think they were obviously out there watching the games anyway like yeah. um what because obviously at the time Alex Greenwood was playing for England, um, and was at United and obviously playing yeah. for England, so they were out there watching her and um, obviously Abby signed for them as well. Um, I don't even know, maybe when they were out there or before, no, before the World Cup, I'm sure. So they would have been out watching their own players and the opposition and just the World Cup. Um, so, but I bumped into him. I, I remember specifically bumping into him and never meeting him before, but sort of 
he recognized me and I sort of recognized, you know what I mean? It was one of them where we, obviously our paths had crossed before. And I was just like, oh, how are you doing? I was with my mum and dad. My mum and dad were like, who, who's that? Like, you're in France. <laughs> who are you bumping into now? Um, and yeah, and then a couple of days later, I got, I got a call. So it happened very, very fast. Um, and it was, but I knew as soon as I'd, I'd, it's, it's probably the quickest I've ever moved on something because when I heard the plan, I was like, I want in that that's it. And after I'd spoken to Wilco, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm excited. I, I want this to happen. And we'd been talking to other people at the time, but nothing excited me like that did. And so I was, I was all in. And United obviously had just been newly promoted at this time. Did, had you been watching any of their games, any of that season? No, not too much. Um, I was in Germany, which made it really difficult to watch uh, games in England anyway. Should have had MUTV. Should have. <laughs> I do now, don't worry. All my wrongs have been, have been put to right. Um, yeah, so I think, obviously, it was well documented what a huge success it was. Um, and I think that season was. And I think it was, for me, it was a maritime before they were in the top league because of the plan and the vision and everything that they wanted to do in the women's game. And I'm glad that it happened quickly for the for the whole of the women's game. For me personally, because I'm I'm happy and proud as punch to be part of the team. But also um, for the whole of women's football, I think it's great to have such a huge team um, and one with such huge ambitions who really wants to be a, a household name in the game. You must have known a lot of your teammates already, though. So it probably wasn't a big settling in period, was it? No, I think I think the hardest part was coming back from the World Cup and feeling like. I didn't even know what day it was. Uh, that was like post-tournament blues, I think. I don't even know what it is, but I'd never experienced anything like it. And I'd heard about it and I just thought... And at the time, I never thought anything of it. But when I look back, I was like, yeah, that, my head was all over the gaff. But yeah, I knew Abby. I knew Alex. Did you speak to them while you was at the World Cup about United? Yeah, I mean, I'm like very a, like, private, so yeah. I wouldn't oh, tell yeah. anyone anything. But... Alex knew, because she was the captain, so Alex knew um, or was aware something was yeah. happening. Abby didn't, not till not till I told her. Um, she was like, oh, you kept that quiet. And <laughs> me and Tony have, uh, were like, well, obviously roommates. So um, she she knew something was going on because she's like, you keep leaving the room. So you need to go on the phone. What's no happening? Way. You didn't say anything. Was, yeah. That's crazy. No, no. No, I don't like saying anything until it's done. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. It's just funny that, so I've moved a couple of times and it's come out. So it didn't come out when I was at the World Cup. It came out afterwards because, you know, I wanted the World Cup to be done. Like, mm -hmm. I like to be focused on things. I don't like distractions. And my Wolfsburg move came out when I was on England camp and nobody knew, like nobody knew that that was happening. And I, and it came out maybe 11 o'clock in the morning and we had a meeting at like half 11 and they were, and everyone was like, what? Um, so, I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't like distractions. I like to be really all in and focused and it's a respect thing. How can you keep that to yourself? You just She's just not a big mouth like you, obviously. <laughs> you just, unfortunately, you just don't say anything to anyone. Um, the only people that knew were, my, well, my agent, obviously, because yeah. he was dealing with it and my mum and my dad. My brother and sister, I didn't. I don't even tell them anything until it's done. They just overhear phone conversations and they know something's happening, but they don't know what. So they just wait to be informed. 
That's it. So you're the teammate to tell a secret to in any situation. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I take it to the grave. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> I'm one of them. So you said about the Blues coming back from the World Cup, but you did have something to look forward to, thankfully. Yeah. What was it like when you went to join the team? Did you go the first couple of days and think, yep, this is the right place for me? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was all really quick. I think, um, the to be honest, I didn't really think too much about it. I, it was, I went out on holiday, I came back, I had to move obviously all my stuff up to Manchester. I don't think I felt really settled until I'd moved into my place and um, and that was really close to the season starting. It was sort of like end of August and it was nothing to do with the team. It was just me obviously moving back from Germany and then going straight to the World Cup within days mm-hmm. and then going on, then needing to get a holiday and trying to fit a holiday in and then trying to move to Manchester. It was, it was just a bit of a chaotic time. So I think it was good to get some good work in in pre-season and the girls were all really welcoming. Um, and, but yeah, when I, I felt really settled when I got into the the house and had all my stuff, stuff set up and just felt a little bit like, yeah, okay, now I'm, I'm making a home here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was, and then we played City first game of the mm-hmm. season. So yeah. it all, it all came really thick and fast, honestly. Easy one to start. <laughs> And, yeah. and, and that was yeah. it. that was in front of a record crowd as well. It was, it was, it was great day. Nervous, apprehensive. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really, just excited. It was more, more. It's more excitement than nerves, and I think that's it. I get so ex- it's almost like not being too excited because it's just a game of football. Of course, just a game of football. But it's just because you love the game and you wanna, you want the team to play well. You want to play well because you want to help the team. And you want to win, so it's just this this excitement of like of and, and you know waiting anticipation of this game that you know's been coming for weeks and weeks. Um, so you, you talk you talk about the Bayern Munich game being the biggest game in mm-hmm. Germany. Obviously, this is a huge game as well because it's against you know huge. bitter rivals as well. Mm-hmm. Do you do you look at rivalries and think in my game when we used to play there'd be like certain teams that you'd hate? Liverpool would be one, City would be the other, Leeds. Is there any teams that you look on and think we've got to do these today, regardless? I honestly feel about I I want to win every single. So I feel a little bit like that with everyone. I'm like, nah, not having it. Don't want these to win today. And yeah. I'm always so competitive and aggressive for everything. Every like you know, for every game, every challenge, whether you know whether it's a small side of game in training, you know, you're my teammate, but I'm still nah. I don't want it. I, I I want to win this game. And that's how it's got to be. Otherwise, it puts me in a bad mood for the rest of the day. And then, um, yeah, City and Liverpool definitely have a... There's definitely a thing there. Yeah. Um, what has what was your first conversations with Casey like? I know you said you'd spoken to her when you were at the World Cup, but in terms of when you actually joined the club, what did she say, you know, her hopes were for you and what the plans were for you? I think it was mostly just about... Like she knew why she brought me in, um, mm-hmm. and it should just be myself. Like that's the key thing. Um, she knows what she she wants me to. Yeah, just just give my all. Be be a leader. Come with a sense of calmness. I think, mm-hmm. uh, but just be be like she knew me personally, and she's really big on people. Like that's that that's definitely the impression I get in terms of. She wants a team of good people, 
I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of an alternative for a swear word here. <laughs> it's very difficult. But yeah, just put like no bleep like that, people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's that's like a really big thing of hers because it's about cohesion, it's about togetherness and it's not about individuals. It's about what you can contribute as a collective. So to be honest, all our conversations, it was never really about, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. and do, You know what I mean? It's not about me as an individual, it's about, okay, I, like I, my, my thing is I just want to do whatever I can to help the team. So if Casey asks something of me, I want to do that and I want to do that to the best of my mm-hmm. ability because that's what she wants for the team. That's what, what's going to help the team win. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just about being the best version of yourself, developing, working hard, like trying to be the, yeah, the best version that you can be mm-hmm. and, and help the team in any way you can on and off the pitch. Obviously a difficult time as well that we all know football was stopped by the pandemic. That must have been really disappointing for you. You know, you just gone into a bit of a pattern with the team. How how hard was that for you? Um, it was it it was tough, I think, because of the uncertainty of it at the beginning. Um, but I think it was always kind of like, well, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. And I think maybe that's the difficulty of it now. No one really knows when it's going to end. But I'm just really grateful that I still get to go to work and I still get to go to training and I still get to do what I love. And that really kind of just takes up my whole life anyway. So it hasn't really, it's changed maybe how much I would see my family, how much traveling I would do, um, you know, going, you know, traveling, I'm talking like up and down the country or maybe to different countries to see family and friends. But apart from that, it's not really changed too much for me because mm-hmm. I'm in work most days. Tell us what, um, you must have been doing all sorts of exercise during that first lockdown. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was hard. That, and I wouldn't want to do that again. You know what I mean? So that I, the way I see it now is this second lockdown is sort of how I see the first lockdown. Yeah. And I would not want to have done that first lockdown twice. Um, you know, you do what you have to do at the end of the day, but it was it was tough. I mean, I got as much equipment as I possibly I could. Can imagine. Uh, but I just it's hard to store. You know, you've run out of space very fast. <laughs> well it is if you're the buying like treadmills so that, and stuff, no, if you're buying like Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> a skipping rope or something. No. I'm not I'm not made of I can't couldn't afford to buy a personal gym. But there was definitely <laughs> little additions like Swiss balls and little mini trampolines mm. and um like the club actually were were brilliant in providing us with weights equipment and then I used like I've got a little outdoor area like patio area which you know I did skipping on and uh different circuits um but yeah it, it was it was tough for the goalkeeping side of it in terms of keeping fit and doing workouts that wasn't so much of an issue because you're limited in equipment and you know there are downfalls of that um but you know and maybe there's only so much load and intensity you can get from a home workout but as long as you're pushing yourself to the limit or you're pushing yourself in a certain way you can definitely maintain at the very least like strength levels and fitness levels but goalkeeping stuff was so difficult because uh, obviously you couldn't really train with anyone. Yeah. Um, the, the the closest thing I got, I had like a, again, the club provided us with a ball launcher and I just had to get someone to put the ball in the ball launcher. But again, you had to really be careful with social distancing and wearing protective gloves and masks and making sure that everything was 
anti-backed. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Is that even a verb? It's a verb now. Anti-back <laughs> is a verb. Um, so, yeah, the, that was all a bit mad. So, yeah, there's I, I, we, we all did the best we could. And I think we, had, as a team, we adapted brilliantly. We tried to keep each other's spirits up because I think it's hard. The repetition of it is difficult. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then there was uncertainty about whether the league was going to finish. And so we were like, what? There was a point where it's like, are we training to no end? Like, where there was, it was a long time waiting to find out, you know, there was decisions being made about the league and everybody, everybody in the league was waiting a really long time for that. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was the hardest part. Probably the biggest break you've ever had in terms of football then since. Yeah, without a holiday. Yeah. It was yeah. like, this would be great if we could actually, you know <laughs> what I mean, somewhere. get away because. You know, I'd come off the back of a major tournament, then went straight into a season. And you go, brilliant. If you're giving me three, four months off, fantastic. Yeah. But it's not like that because you're still in training because you, there was a time where it was like, right, well, you'll get a minimum of two weeks. So if we were going to finish the league, then it was like, right, well, two, you could be training, then two weeks back in with the team and then playing the game. Mm-hmm. So you were still training to finish the season. And then... Yeah, so. Tell us about this season then. Yep. Top of the league at the moment as it stands. Yep. But I believe Chelsea have one game in hand. Is that correct? And they could go level on points. Yeah, I try and keep away from the league table as much as possible this early. Um, but, and, and to be honest, people feel, will tell me where we are all the time. They'll be like, oh, my mum will ring me like, oh, look at this. <laughs> like, yes, mum, thank you. Um so I'm I'm normally well, like kept informed by other people. But you've made a good start to the season. We've made a great start. Yeah. I, I think we've we've played some really good football. Picked up obviously some great results unbeaten in the league. So um, I think we just need to continue. Mm-hmm. And I th- I th- obviously that's easier said than done. But we know what we've set out to achieve, and in order to do that, we have to be showing up every single week and grinding out results even when we're not at our best and also putting on performances at our best so it's it's a long season there's a long way to go but we're of course uh, we're all really chuffed with how we've started and I don't think we've even hit our levels that we can yet so it's exciting what about the new additions to the squad this season how much have they impressed you Yes, yeah, so obviously the the two obvious ones are Tobin and Kristen, two world class players. So unbelievable additions to the team. Oh, this is where I'm going to mess up because I'm going to try and list all the people that we've brought in, and I'm going to forget people. And I've just set myself up to fail. All the new signings. God. Um, and then obviously less coming in. Like again, another brilliant signing. Really honest, hard working. Um, I didn't. I've never really played with or against Les before. I've never seen, even though she's English, you know, I think she's come through the younger age groups with a few of the players, uh, you know, a few of the United players. So she already knew a few people coming in, but she fitted in seamlessly and she has got a really decent strike on the ball. So uh, obviously she's out injured just now, but uh, it will be great to get her back. Um, And then Ivy and Anna, who've come over, from Germany and Spain. So we've brought in some great, great players, technically gifted players. Um, and that only adds strength to the squad because you have more players available to pick from and it raises the, the quality of training and it brings out the best in people because, you know, someone's right on your heels, whatever mm-hmm. position you're in. So um, 
it's a really competitive squad this year, mm-hmm. uh, which which I think is great. And the aim for you, I think you'd mentioned earlier on, is Champions League football then? Yeah, for sure. That's definitely something that I've obviously can't speak for every single body in the team, but I'm sure they would agree with yeah. me that that's, that's what I, like I want to see next, for sure. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, do you know if you keep clean sheets, you'll get there? <laughs> Easier said than done, I'm telling you now. I tell you. <laughs> Easy. Well, we, no, it's it's a team effort. We're not going to draw every game. We 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 need to win every game. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. But yes. Don't don't worry. I, I'm I hate conceding. Believe that. <laughs> Believe that. <laughs> Mary, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Pleasure chatting to you guys. Great stuff. Oh, sorry. We haven't asked for a recommendation. Sorry. Oh, you're asking for a recommendation. Have a drink first. In your Harry Potter mug. I know, isn't it cute? <laughs> Fine, that's 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 a China tea mug. That oh. you cannot beat tea in a China mug. Oh, it's not. I mean, it's from Amazon. Let's <laughs> let's not get it. Let's get it right. But I just realised it's freezing because we've been chatting for an hour. Sorry for keeping you so long. Just one more yeah. question. No, 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 that wasn't a dig. I was just saying that my tea's cold. Mm-hmm. I no, that's fine. If you were to pick out someone, one of your teammates, who would be a good guest on our podcast. Who would you recommend? Oh, you know what? You'd probably get some lively chat out of Millie too. <laughs> I don't know if she'd answer your questions properly. I'm pretty sure that that was Amy's request too. Why didn't she request me? Why am I here if I wasn't even requested? Why is that oh, not one awkward? You, she, said you, she, said, she said you was quiet. You don't say it. It doesn't really work like that. Sorry. Oh, no. I made it sound like, oh, if you get requested, you get on. Wow. But I'm sure that Amy had said... Millie's very funny. I'm going to text her immediately. <laughs> you should see the abuse that she's about to receive. <laughs> yeah, I think Millie, Millie T would be good. Um, who else? You know what? Everyone's everyone's got a bit of personality mm-hmm. in our team. I don't think you'd find a boring one. I'm sure you'd find some someone to talk about. Zell's always got something to say. So has Jackie. And Casey, of course, who we haven't had on the podcast. Casey, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I can recommend the gaffer, yeah, yeah. sure. Of, of course, I'll recommend... <laughs> recommend I recommend you know there's so many people I'm sure you'll make your way through the team yeah. but everyone's got such an interesting story yeah. I'm just going to sit on the fence I hope that's fine it's been that's a long fine. day no thank you so much for talking to us <laughs> no worries see you later see you soon good luck take care mate so that was Mary Earps yeah how good was that that was very very good what did you, what did you take out of it that was good funny, wasn't she oh she's funny she is Deft as a brush. I just love listening to the women's journeys into the game. I just think it's so fascinating. Yeah. You know, growing up, playing football with her brother, it's just, it's not as easy for young girls, you know, back then. Obviously, things are different now, aren't they? Lots of girls' leagues, but I suppose she was lucky in a way. She said where she lived, she was able to get involved. It wasn't always like that for everybody else. No. She's got two, well, obviously her parents as well made a Mm -hmm. huge sacrifice your dedication almost has to be a little bit more, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's what, what, what a great podcast. So good. So great podcast. Great secret keeper. <sighs> Excuse the pun. How does she do that, by the way? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Boom, boom. Get it. Hey. I can't believe I didn't use that one in the podcast. Actually raging. Um, so that's her and Lee Grant. Both yeah. didn't tell anybody about their moves to Manchester United. That, I, I don't know how people do that. I really no, don't. No, I know. I would probably tell one... Who do we do? Uh, Nemanja Matic. When he, oh, yeah, he you'd was, be doing it, his. Yeah. When he told all his... Do your 60 his, friends um, and your WhatsApp. Don't tell anyone. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can tell that when somebody speaks so confidently, you know, having a, a goalkeeper like that behind you. Yes. Who's not afraid to speak their mind, as well, you know, more than yeah, I do. Yeah. It's a great asset to have. Yeah, I played in front of Big Pete and I think it also gives you confidence as well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got a goalkeeper behind you who's as good as what Mary is and also as good as what Big Pete was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's massive. And the good thing is she's, I know she's a footballer and she's a goalkeeper, but the fact that she can play out of the back as well is a huge yeah. asset. It really yeah. is. Her her um, time at Wolfsburg was really interesting as well. Like, what an achievement to go with yeah, there and win the Bundesliga. Incredible. It is. It's just mm-hmm. a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we spoke earlier about Thomas, Thomas Kuschak going to Germany and the problems he had, but... Fair play to all the girls over there as well, you know, chipping in, helping her out and yeah. making it so so welcome. But I think that's universal anyway with football. Do you know what? We didn't even hardly get on to her international career. There's so much to talk about. I know. We could have spoke for hours. I know. We didn't even really get talking about the World Cup, really. We just talked about the World Cup Blues. I know. But do you know what? Time always runs out on us, Maisie, doesn't it? That's it. So before time does run out, Let's do some emails. Yeah. Okay. Peter Pocklington says, Dear Team HMS, after the loss to Spurs and the women's team loss to Liverpool, I was having a hard time emotionally reaching into the United, inverted commas, box of tricks. Fortunately, both sets of teams turned that around in proper United manner. So I had the courage to get back onto the podcast Treasure Trove yesterday. Good news. After the Amy Turner podcast of a few weeks ago, I decided to start with Siobhan and what a treat that was. Although the pathways into the women's game seem quite different to the men's, the obstacles they have to overcome and the dedication they have to have are very similar. I am not sure if you guys actually see Siobhan about the place, but I so want to compliment her and thank her for the job she does commentating for the MUTV women's broadcasts. Due to the broadcasting rights issues, I am compelled to watch the live games on FA Player, but the real treat is then to watch the full 90 replays on MUTV. The MUTV broadcasts are cut above the BBC. I can't think of no greater compliment. I also have started to watch the videos of the podcast. They are such a completely different experience that it is a real twofer. Two for the price of one. The audio is much more like an intimate chat with family members while the video is like watching a game in a bar with my mates. Both have their time and place. Keep up the great work, you three, as you are vital to my united sanity. Thank you very much indeed, Pete. I am very distracted ahead of the next email because Maisie is wearing a pair of spectacles. I need them. I need them because I can't. Since I can't, when I can't. have you worn glasses? Do you know what? When I take them off, I can't read a thing. This is brand new information. They're only my readers. <laughs> Sorry, you sound like a pensioner <laughs> right now. Get me readers. <laughs> my readers. Oh, brilliant. Right, sorry about that. Um, Ush Joel says, Dear team, thank you for bringing Gordon Hill to the show. He's an amazing storyteller. It's just sad that he had a short spell at Manchester United. I learned a lot from him and his journey. Thank you, um, he says. And Ush is in Nigeria. Thank you very much indeed. Yes. And one more. One for the road, Maisie. Oh, yes. James Westcott said, Dear Helen, Maisie and Simon, Sorry, Sam, he says. I'm really enjoying your podcast and wanted to say a massive thanks for keeping us all entertained in what has been a difficult year. I'm about to get a puppy, 
which I'm not allowed to call Bruno. Great name for a puppy. So we'll have even more time to listen to the episodes. I've just listened to the Gordon Hill podcast and what a wonderful episode with such a broad spectrum of emotions from the great story about him signing for us and the goal scoring to the frustration of moving on and heartbreak over the disappearance of his medals. Brilliant that he scored an own goal on his only return to Old Trafford as well. In terms of future podcasts, I would love to hear from Brian McClare as I used to love Chalky's Diary. Keep up the amazing work that you're doing. I look forward to the next one. Thank you very much indeed. Do keep getting in touch in the usual way. United Podcast at manunited.co.uk. Maisie, it's been emotional, as usual. Yes, time for me dinner. Go and cook yourself something nice. I shall. Right. Good to see you, kid. You too. Bye. Take care, mate.